0: Welcome everybody, this is the Life Enthusiast Online Radio, TV and Blab Network, I'm Scott Patton and uh, joining us as usual is Martin Patella, Life Coach at Life Enthusiast, Health Coach at Life Enthusiast. Hey Martin, how are you doing?
1: Hey, hi everybody, this is Martin and uh, just in case you're having trouble with Scott, he is in Belize and apparently the... uh, internet connection is not as good as it might have been or should have been. It just is a bit sketchy. So sometimes we...
0: Yep. I'm actually in the farthest south. I'm as far south as you can go in Belize. And this is a small community, Punta Gorda, of about 20,000 people. Most of the roads are gravel. And in fact, you can just see there's the road. And... uh, yeah, it's pretty exciting. I'm looking forward to talking a little bit about some of the things that I've discovered here. But before we get to that, Martin, we want to talk about the industrial food complex. That's
1: my topic today. It kind of dovetails with what you're doing. And I'd like to remind all of us that today we're eating or we're able to buy foods that are cheaper than they ever have been. And we're getting exactly what we're paying for. Not much. Or what we're paying for it is what I meant to say. Because what's going on with us is the following. In about the 1920s and 30s, we kicked off the Industrial Revolution in agriculture. Back in 1900, uh, 30% of Americans were farmers. Right now, I think it's one5 to 2% of the population that are farmers, and they're more than able to feed every one of us with huge quantities to spare for export. What that is is a wonderful thing, the revolution of productivity, but along with it came destruction of food values, of nutritional values of the food. Actually, interesting, I noticed that less than 2% of the soil, of the area, I should say, how do I say this? 2% of the fields are organic. 98% are not.
0: That's not very good news.
1: No. The organic food movement isn't even getting a foothold. It's just, just very... Tiny, tiny by comparison. So this is going to be a general promotion for please buy organic. Please support the organic farmer because if we don't, we're headed into some difficult times.
0: Well, and maybe we're already in those difficult times. You've got the whole global warming thing going on and climate's being crazy. And, um And then you have the obesity and you have all the diseases that are chronic that people are suffering from.
1: Right. That is indeed uh, with the rise of the industrial agriculture come the rise of the industrial disease. The heart disease and the cancer and now the epidemic of the chronic inflammatory, which is the fibromyalgia, multiple sclerosis, uh, infertility and uh, other uh, female problems that lead to hysterectomies and who knows what else, PMS, and uh, I don't know all the symptoms because I can't quite relate, but they're there. I can relate to mine, and uh, I tell you, I've I've had uh, a good load of the industrial
0: food disease myself. All right. So it's time to change that. So uh, what can we do?
1: Well, I mean, we could all become farmers and start planting our own gardens in our own little uh, lots, right? Like we could plant cabbages, carrots, and uh, potatoes or whatever else we want in our
0: backyards instead of whatever else we do there. Uh, So so a little bit of a change in lifestyle is required, right? Because right now, usually, if it's a two-parent home... Both parents don't come home until 5 or 6 o'clock at night, and uh, then they've got to make yeah. food, dinner. There's no time, right? But also, it's about planning, right? I mean, and there, I think there is time. Like, I think if you sacrifice watching the hockey game every night of the week, if you sacrificed a couple hours of soap operas, if you – you know, involve the children in it as well. Like when you come home from school, you go weed the garden for 20 minutes, and then you go in and you do your homework. I think uh, a lot of it has to do with the systems that we set up, which are all set up to waste our time to the point that we don't have any time to be able to do the things that are really important, and we don't appreciate them as being important when they actually are. And Where I am in Belize, I'm visiting Umita Switlow, who is renting this house. And the first thing that she did when she got here was she, oh, I can actually show you, is she got one of the fellows here that is helping her to dig up part of the lawn. I'm not sure if you can see it. Uh, We are underneath. We're looking at some palm fronds. Yep. And so underneath them is dirt and in the dirt are seeds and she's growing all sorts of uh, vegetables. <laughs> and the whole thing took like an hour. I was amazed, right? I thought, oh, this is gonna take a long time. But he just, young man just got in there, dug it all up, put, they put the seeds in and then they're watering it and those palm fronds keep the heat off so that you don't boil the seeds. So in a few weeks, a few months, I guess a few months, she's going to have a whole pile of uh, fresh fruits, uh, fresh vegetables growing there. And the interesting thing, what's that? It'll be weeks, not months. Weeks, yeah. And as we walk around, we see a guava tree, we see a lime tree, we see avocado trees, we see coconut trees. I mean, it's so weird, right, because I love drinking coconut water. And... uh, I'm used to going to the store and buying coconut water. So here I say to somebody, I like some coconut water. They climb up a tree, have a machete. They bang it, drop the coconut down, smack it open. And they either pour it into a glass for me or they give me the coconut with a straw. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I mean, obviously, we can't have coconut water off of trees in Vernon when you've got three feet of snow going on uh, or Vancouver or Canada or some of the northern parts of the United States. But there are different, you know, I particularly think about the southern states in California where why don't they have orange trees in everyone's yard or a lime tree or a grapefruit tree? I remember being in... um, Palm Springs walking around and there was like massive numbers of oranges and limes and lemons and grapefruits on all these trees to the point where the people could not eat them. Right. Which yeah. just meant that if everybody was doing this, pull them all down, take them to your local grocer or whatever. I mean, work on a system so that you can get that food out to people. And um, so I think that there's a lot of missed opportunities when it comes to just doing a little bit, Ourselves, I mean, it's really amazing. I th- this is the other thing, because and Amita mentioned this because we went to a little restaurant and we uh, ordered a lunch, and then we also ordered coconut water. And she says, you know, this isn't coming out of, uh, it's not coming out of a can or a bottle or any, you know, paper bag. Package thing that they've got. This comes out of a real coconut that somebody went either today and yesterday and got. And I go, yeah. And then she said something really interesting to me. And I think this is the root of a lot of our problem. She said, Do you notice that it tastes different than the coconut water you had yesterday? And I said, Yeah, it does. Well, every coconut is an individual coconut and it's going to have a slightly different. The water is going to be slightly different. The meat's going to be slightly different. And we've gone into this homogenized society where every, you know, you know when you go to McDonald's in New York or you go to McDonald's in Tokyo, it's the same. And and for some weird reason, we take great pride in that. And I can remember one of my buddies when I was growing up, we were about 18, 17, 18. His dad had a burger joint and it was the only one. And I came over one day and he says, yeah, I'm gonna cook you a burger, Scott. And he cooked this magnificent burger the way they would never cook a burger normally. Like he slow cooked it. I mean, it took 10 or 15 minutes for this burger to be just right, right? As opposed to like 30 seconds on one side, 30 seconds on the other side, slap the stuff on and send it off, to, off off, you go, right? But it occurs to me that we we seem to have this fear of something not being quite the same like, to the point of being exactly the same as well, it's, what we there, had last time.
1: There's something useful in it because you have the predictability. So a chain of restaurants is, of course, loving it because you, you can trust what's happened uh, in Tokyo is going to also happen in New York, which is the predictability of it. Of course, life should be a little less predictable, I think.
0: Yes, I, I have
1: a memory... Me I have a memory I'd like to share, which, which has, you know, like when I was a young man, 17, 18, just like you, I, I was visiting with my girlfriend, and in her place, they actually had chickens in the yard. There are chickens here. <laughs> yeah, okay. But so it was the funniest thing that her mother was saying, well, whatever we don't eat, if it's protein, it goes to the dog. And if it's vegetably, it goes to the chickens. Nice. And so in that far corner of the yard, there was a chicken coop and a and a I don't know what, it wasn't huge, but enough area for the chickens. And they would throw them everything. You know, the um, scraps from the table and scraps from whatever. So all the cut off cucumbers and all the cut off tomatoes and whatever else. The chickens were eating it and they were turning it into eggs.
0: Holy Moses. I mean how good is that? Yeah, we sometimes forget that mother nature has provided us with uh, garbage collectors. And uh, actually we went down to the market like we're right on the on the ocean on the Caribbean Sea here and when you go down the, the road along the the water has a market two or three mornings a day uh, a day a week and beside the market is a fish market. And if you go in the fish market and you look out the back that's where the fishermen take and they cut up all the fish or whatever and sure enough there are these like vulture type creatures and there's there's not really seagulls pe- pelicans is what we saw today That they're, they're just hanging around waiting for whatever gets thrown into the water and they're just going to eat it right and what was funny mm-hmm. about today is there's this big tree and this branch that's pers- pretty horizontal and there's two huge pelicans sitting on this branch well they don't have the claws to grab onto the branch because they got webbed feet right and so these vulture these vulture type creatures birds flew up two of them and landed beside the pelicans well the thing bounces and the two pelicans or they just about fall off and they're sitting there and then the pelicans are stable and then another bird comes up lands on there and the pelican almost falls over and then one takes off and another one lands and i was like well, i was watching it for about 10 minutes right it was so funny i said are those birds trying to knock the pelicans off the perch or what and, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah it's really kind of interesting being well, out of
1: there's so much life and nature in there. Well, you're you're practically in a rural area then, aren't
0: you? I, right? I am. 22,000 people here, and we spent most of the time outside of the town uh, in the last couple of days with the turmeric project that we're working on.
1: Well, let's let's mention something about that. What's going
0: on with it? Well, uh, what happened was uh, Amita Switlow came here as a volunteer with CUSO, uh, working with the Belizean government and the Canadian government, looking for opportunities for youth in business. So b- businesses that they could start up or that they could be a part of in order to help with the unemployment. About 70% of the people in Belize, and there's only like 400,000 people here, it's a small country, but about uh, 75% of them or 80% of them are under 29. So they're all very young, they're all having lots of children and they don't have any work. So they're like, what can we do? And we thought, well, the, the interesting thing about turmeric is it's it's kind of like a weed, you know, in, in that it grows and you don't do anything, right? So if you let the weeds, it just kind of takes over. And turmeric doesn't take over because nothing can take over in the jungles here. The jungle takes over. But it grows everywhere and you don't have to fertilize it. It doesn't take any herbicides. It doesn't take anything. And it came here with... Uh, the East Indians who came here as indentured slaves two or 300 years ago. And they brought a specific type of turmeric with them, which when you look for the cucumin uh, levels, it's, it is normally around three, three and a half percent. It's six and a half to 7% with this variety. And so we went out to one of the farms and, you know, they, they whack and they hack, they get rid of the, the leafy stuff and then anything else that's over top. And then they just take a spade, um, like a fork, and they just loosen the ground up and they pull out all of this uh, uh, turmeric. So she uses the this local line. that's a root, this is like just, ginger. Yeah. It's called yellow ginger. And uh, so it's there's no herbicides, no pesticides, no anything. Well, nowhere around here do they do any of that. They can't afford it. So it's pretty fresh you know it's nice that way and then and then she wants to what she does she makes a paste with uh himalayan sea salt himalayan salt or sea salt and uh, coconut oil that's from the coconuts here and lime juice from the limes here so we were looking at like where are we going to get all these limes that we need and we drove out into one of the mayan villages and with the farmer, because he was saying, oh, go here, go here. I mean, we're just going on like barely two tracks of, uh, you know, through the forest, right? And we come across these um, beautiful Mayan homes. They've got the thatched roofs there, you know, there's a dirt floor, but I mean, it's a hard packed dirt floor and they keep it just very, very nice. And we talked to one of the Mayan ladies, do you have limes? Yep, and she took us behind. There was this this huge lime tree. And of course, I'm there and I've got this big stick and I'm poking the limes, trying to get them down. And after about 20 minutes, 30 minutes, we had 240 limes off this tree. And and that's about, it. you know, it's in the middle of the jungle somewhere. More than enough, I mean, they make more, they get more than enough for themselves they probably take it to the market and we just said okay we want to buy your limes and if you have any friends that have limes we want to buy their limes too and we're only you know 3 minutes down the road where the farm is and and uh, we've got a facility where we're going to be manufacturing it and all the rest of it so organic i don't know if it would be canadian certified organic because there's nobody here looking and certifying anything but it's, it's, org- uh,
1: it's, called,
0: it's called Wild Crafted. Right. It's yes, very I, that's right. Wild Crafted lemons, limes. I mean, Wild Crafted coconut oil and Wild Crafted turmeric. And uh, yeah, so she just makes this paste. It's beautiful. And we're going to be exporting it to Canada so that Canadians have an opportunity to get the health benefits of turmeric, hopefully into the United States as well. Uh, And so let me give the plug for the company's name, Naledo, Naledo.com, N-A-L-E-D-O.com. And uh, and there's a couple kind of organic grocery chains in Vancouver that have already given us some orders. That's where we're going to start. And then we're going to grow it across Canada.
1: I'm just looking at a comment from one of the viewers here, which is just spectacular. Uh, it says maybe she I can't tell an organic banana should be called banana. everything else should be called non-organic industrial
0: exactly
1: right like same same linguistic nonsense that we have with alternative health right like I'm having to declare myself an alternative um, health practitioner. When, uh, in fact, I'm the one that's the natural, the non-industrial, the non-chemical, the uh, non-whatever. I'm not waging the war on the body. I'm supporting it to get well. Okay, so there the, something funny going on with scott so the reason i'm having the local this children
0: t- just went on the back of a pickup truck by me if i'd have been fast enough i would have turned around so you could have seen so no seat belts there you know just like in when i was young
1: <sighs> the beauties of development developing world
0: that's right so let's hope they don't develop maybe, too much
1: yeah, well here's, here's the crazy thing there are such wonderful advantages of having a fully developed industrial society, but some of these things we have screwed up tremendously. And the, the thing that I believe we have screwed up badly is the food production. Yeah, Which is this. Uh, I have seen a study that shows that uh, the f- mineral content of our veg- vegetables has been declining. It's By 1937, when the first report came out, they were complaining that they were down 70%, that they lost two-thirds of the original mineral content. Well, since then, we have lost two-thirds again. So we're now down to maybe 25% of 24%, I can't do the math in my head, of the original mineralization that was available in the foods. So what goes in our lives now is we're eating food, but we're not getting the nutrients that we're supposed to be getting. With organic foods and especially biodynamic foods, we have a chance of having the nutrients that we require. But if we're eating broccoli that's been grown the industrial way, it looks beautiful, but it's hollow. Hollow food. And it bothers me. And it bothers me for the following reason. The fertilized soil is losing the natural microbes and it's losing the uh, humic and fulvic acid content. So there's less and less of the goodness left in the fields. I don't know how many more generations it's going to take before the foods are actually not going to be able to grow.
0: Yeah, I think it'll always be able to grow because it can force it with the chemicals that they give it. But uh, when it's, we're not going to be growing because it's not going to be having any impact in our development as uh, as we grow and as uh, in our health. I think that's going to be the big problem, and I think that's what we're seeing.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm just corresponding here with one of the viewers. <laughs> he says here. Uh, Let's talk about why the vegetables have lost their minimal content. Do you know why? I know why. <laughs> why? Where's the goodness going? So um, I'm saying, well, okay, you tell us. I don't know. Do we want to bring them whoever you want If he are wants to there, join us,
0: to, sure. Rent so the chicken. In. Come on, join us.
1: Um anyway, here he comes. The whole point. Okay, the whole point of that oh yeah, somebody's coming on. Lovely.
2: Hi, Mr. Chicken. Yes, hello, I'm Homestead Phil. Hi, Phil. Hello. Okay, so uh we talked about uh the nutrients. Let's let's just uh think about this. You got a farmer out there in the field, he plants uh uh I don't I don't care what it is, carrots anything. Right. That that farmer does a mass production, right? Harvests that crop. Where does that crop go? The cat crop, right? Where does the, where, where, where do those nutrients go out? Well, they've gone
1: away. They go into the poopster
2: system that's already there. So, so what you've done is you've, you've created a one way highway. Uh, of all these nutrients leaving um, and then being disposed of at the, the city, sometimes hundreds of miles or thousands. or thousands of miles. I mean, here in Western Pennsylvania, yeah, we, we get stuff from um, all yep. the time. And, and there's there's no, there's no way to get those nutrients back. And that's why you turn around and you have farmers – um, spraying chemicals on that's that's why you see fewer and fewer nutrients content. Right. Well, the whole those, point was that the NPK, foods, the uh,
1: nitrogen, uh, uh, phosphorus, and uh, potassium uh, fertilizer, is pushed onto the field. That those are the minerals that cause it to grow quickly, but there's not enough time for it to grow strong and rich, and it certainly is. Um, Well, it's it's looking good, but it's hollow on the inside,
2: right? Well, there's there's no there's no natural and by nature now. If if we if if the cities were to be able to collect that waste and turn around and ship it back to the farm and then use that create a circle and get those nutrients back, but we we all know that more than just waste right. goes into a, a toilet in the city. Um, yeah. a city. But a reduction of uh, quality of food in just yeah. one aspect. It reminds of me food of the
1: China of study,
2: our, of our which is a very system.
1: popular book that, that documented how healthy the rural Chinese population was compared to the Americans. And... Uh, one of the big things with the Chinese farmers is that they use all of their excrement and haul it back to the field.
2: Exactly. Exactly. That's that. You know. That's why. You know. They'll plant a a, a good uh, heirloom variety of of. Uh, uh, feed for their cattle on, uh, on something that, and they let distribute waste throughout the, a, a good organic farm. Um, there's a book uh, that I recently read from a man named Harry Stoddard. It's called uh, uh, um, All Sorts of Farming Techniques that he uses, uh, uh, just um, no till. Uh, farming to help preserve uh, the, the soil content. That's where I am, and, and you see these farmers' fields. Uh, they'll they'll till and they'll be bare yes. for you know six eight weeks. And depending depending on how long it's up soil. That's right. Yeah, if it dries out. It. Uh, yeah, if or, it dries or, out, or it the just blows
1: off into the into the wind, and uh, off go- off it goes.
0: I see that all the times when I was growing up in in Winnipeg, we'd have all of Saskatchewan would just come over, you know, and land on us, and uh, it was just like, oh my god, like look at all of this dust that's just being blown, which is not really dust; it's topsoil, like you were saying, and it's massive.
2: Yeah, bad massive. Yes. All right. Definitely. So. Okay. Absolutely. How do we turn paper? it into
1: something practical for the people who are actually living in the cities? You know, this, this is a trend that's going to be hard to resist anyway. Urbanization, modern lifestyles. What what do we tell them to do? And uh, my my take on that is go go raw, eat as much raw food as possible, and especially eat that organic because we need to. We need to push on the industry. We need to cause them to change. the The mo- most important, yeah. The most important point I want to make is this: the money in my wallet pushes what happens on the other side of the equation. When the money is like the oxygen of the economy, so when you, wherever you direct it that's where stuff grows or or prospers. And from wherever you withdraw it, that's where it just goes away and dies. So when we want to have more of something, that's what we have to buy. And when, when, when we want to have less of something, that's where we need to not buy. And so this is my recommendation to do the most revolutionary act, to shop at the right place.
2: Sure, buy local. I mean, um, you know, we is rent a chicken. Um, you know, we we uh, we provide people oh. chicken coops and chickens in their backyards. They they get farm fresh eggs without a commitment at the end. Uh, but but the idea is to to have that food source um, closer to the table. You know, I mean. Um, People these days aren't going to raise a couple chickens. They're not going to raise a, a cow in their backyard, but you can raise a couple chickens. Um, uh, our garden, my garden every year, is about 25 foot by 20 of spaghetti sauce, more than 40 pints of uh, salsa, uh, more than 30, uh, 30 jars of, of uh, corn, and... Um, uh, 100 foot by 25. That's foot. great. Most people, they yeah. they, they yeah. don't realize that it, it doesn't take yeah. a What's lot this? of space. Yeah. What's climate make are you a in? Difference. And then, just, uh, I think this is um. Six or something like that. I I can't remember. I start planning on May first. That's when everything gets transplanted into the gardens. May happens. We got about six inches of snow right now, so I figure right around March. 10th, okay. March. Yeah, 15th, we can't put anything out where I, I live, live until
1: May
0: 24th
2: <laughs> So you're you, you are yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. north in Canada. Uh, me, then, huh? Well.
0: I live up there, but right now I'm in Belize. So gotcha. it's, uh, there's no snow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's familiar. a lovely place. The other part of this conversation that I think always gets forgotten is systems, right? And we've, the one that we're talking about poop, you know, it goes someplace and something happens to it. And it, I mean, it just disappears out of sight, out of mind. And uh, where my parents live, where my mom lives, in Victoria on Vancouver Island, they basically just ship it right out into the ocean. And Seattle's complaining about it. And so they're looking at yeah. making this big, huge thing, right? And they've had studies of this and studies of that. And my dad used to say, there's like 10 billion fish poop every day in the ocean. doesn't seem to be a problem. I don't know why 300,000 people is a problem. But the, but the point is, is that that's, again... If it's being, you know, made in Ecuador, made in Honduras, made on the prairies, and it's just going out into the ocean, how is that going back? And so I think that, you know, I think we need to look at the system and say, well, you know, how can we compost this poop? Like maybe we should be doing something and then turning it into blocks and shipping it out to Saskatchewan or Idaho or someplace, putting it out in the field, let the rain hit it and have it spread, you know, or whatever, and, and it goes back. To me, it's like we have these systems that don't help. If you have a system that works, then it's going to support you. The other system that we have is we give a lot of farmers a lot of money to buy herbicides and pesticides and certain types of seeds that we don't want. So why are we subsidizing those guys and we're not subsidizing the organic guys?
1: That's a political issue. That's a political issue. Yeah,
2: it's... But hey, uh, Scott,
1: there was a story out a few years ago about a town in Florida that installed a sewer system that previously they didn't have. They were just shipping all of the poop straight to the ocean. And about a mile out, there was a thriving coral reef, just rich, full of life. They installed that... uh, sewage treatment plant and that entire coral leaf reef died it just totally like, starved
0: yeah pasteurized poop is no, well, big no good business will
2: never, so the chicken poop big business is never gonna yeah chicken poop's great but big business is never gonna let you take human manure and reuse Big business is making tons of money off of of chemicals, so they're going to want to keep uh, supplying those chemicals. Um, and you're also going to find that using humans, I know, is illegal everywhere. Um, it's it's just not legal to do. So you're not going to see that. Um, the beauty about uh, chickens mm-hmm. is. Uh, when we deliver thirty-five locations throughout the United States and Canada, started right here in Western Pennsylvania with myself and my wife, uh, we can deliver to Toronto. We can't deliver to Winnipeg, uh, but we can deliver. Um, and one thing that people are always ask—they they ask two questions. They're they're worried about noise, and hens can lay an egg without a rooster, so you're not going to have two hens. And two or four hens, um, you don't have to worry about uh, smell with a portable coop. Uh, and, and two to four hens will produce. Abra doesn't clean yeah. up after his dog. Um, you have the ability to uh, scoop up that manure uh every day because the coop is movable very easily uh or you can uh let it soak into your your grass it's gonna act as a natural fertilizer because there's not a lot of chickens it's right. not it's not going it's not gonna kill it from uh all the heat uh, just use a hose and and, and hose cool. it down so i mean chickens are are really great for for adding um and the eggs are good too, right? Compost. Oh, the yeah. eggs are amazing. What, you know, what makes the eggs amazing is that they're not full of junk. Um, you know, yeah. most, most, yeah, they use antibiotics. They use all this stuff. You know, we use antibiotics very sparingly. In other words, that chicken has to express to me that it is sick and it is uh, a, a chicken will get it. And, it, and it's not going to be the entire flock. It's just going to be the ones that need it, if, if that's needed. So, um, and once they get out to people's homes. Um, Good. It,
1: well, it's a great advertisement for rent a chicken. It's exactly, uh, it's exactly the sort of uh, revolutionary activity we need. In fact, the revolutionary act, become a farmer, right? Grow your own food grow
2: your own organic. yeah 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 i can't i can't tell you how many times i've dropped off a chicken coop and then at the end of the and all of a sudden i see some raised garden beds i'm like hey those weren't there when i dropped off the chickens but all of a sudden they're like you know we got these chickens we got the thinking why as we'll plant some kale so i planted some kale and I've been feeding it to them and some herbs, and 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 uh, by the next year, um, we've made a, a direct. Because as you know, it's 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 not something that's going to come that's down right. from the big corporations. It's not something that the government is is going to change because you know those elected officials. I'm doing my part at starting. Starting down the low grassroots, starting with the great. Individual. So, so
0: Maytar, May I wanted to yeah. join us. Sorry, I just didn't want to interrupt uh, the rent a chicken rant. But if you want to join us, I'll let you on now. <laughs> you were just on such a good roll, and I didn't want to stop you, right? So, and I'm I'm assuming rent uh, rentthechicken.com is uh, your
2: website. Yes, RentTheChicken.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. You know, I was thinking
0: about that. You know,
2: if you have kids and they're in that four to eight range,
0: they probably become very attached to the chickens. Now.
2: Yes, yes. Oh, and the other thing, they're going to say the grocery store. So it's education as well.
1: Right on. Okay.
2: So, Scott, you to bring somebody on. So, all right, guys. My chicken's a No wee Awesome. Thanks for joining Thanks for us. Bye-bye. <laughs> bye bye. Take care. Uh, all right. Thank you. Mitar, I was sort of trying to get
0: on and I didn't let her on. And now uh, she's still, I don't know if she's still listening or not, but if she wants to join us, we got an open seat. This is the Life Enthusiast Health Blab. He's Martin. I'm Scott. He's up in Canada. I'm down in Belize. He's cold and freezing. I'm warm and sunny, with a little bit of a sunburn. <laughs> <laughs> Not really one hundred percent true, but I got to rub it in a little bit. So, uh, yeah. Martin, we we want to talk a little bit more about the uh, industrial revolution that occurred in our food uh, stuff. Or have we? Do you think we've covered it? Well, let's well, let's talk a little bit I about fulvic be, acid.
1: I would like to raise the two main issues, which is the humic and fulvic acids that we are not getting with the food that we should be getting. So we now have it available as a supplement. So people think and get that. Put that in your diet. Put humic and fulvic acid in your diet and put products that use that into your diet. And get the superfoods such as the Exola, Advancium or Zoetine or something like that into your diet where you're able to get the nutrients that are lacking in your salad back into it. Like what I do is when I, when I have my salad, I actually throw a scoop of uh, of the green superfood on it just to sp- spike it, to give it some intensity because I'm just not getting the nutrient density that I require.
0: So for those of us that don't know, what is fulvic acid and what's humic acid?
1: Okay, humic acid got its name from humus, which is the stuff that makes the difference between beach sand and fertile soil.
0: Makes it's it black. It's that
1: black stuff. It's the black stuff that's in the soil. Okay. And uh, there are um, resources all across the planet in various places in the world where uh, million years ago, millions of years ago, when uh, this organic matter could have turned either into petroleum or into coal or if the bacteria processed it into this rich humus. So we have this dried source that we can extract, and it's uh, we have it available in, uh, in bags, dried powder. And it can also be... What does it do? Um, well, when it's added to the digestive system, it helps the immune system lower the um, effects of viral and bacterial infections. Uh, people who supplement with the humic acid uh, have become free of their viral infections. Name them all, you know, from the immunodeficiency virus to the Epstein-Barr to, uh, to the herpes all of those, and it also helps to uh, um, maintain it. People who are trying to, you know, weightlifters—no, I should say the uh, the body bodybuilders. Yep, they use humic acid to improve definition. Like it's their okay. last, it's their secret trick to turn uh, fat into muscle. So it's an important part of
0: our bodies working properly and we're not getting it. That's a fact.
1: And the fulvic acid, those are the smaller particles, smaller molecules, they actually get inside the cells and they're really good at removing cytotoxicity, meaning that it's, it's like a broom that sweeps clean the space inside of your cell and gives more space to the metabolic activities of the mitochondria. I guess in plain language it's like sweeping the the cobwebs no not cobwebs sweeping the black dirt out of your fireplace helping it to burn clean again
0: okay all right and so we're not getting it in our food
1: not enough not enough okay so that's that's my message get the humic and fulvic back into your diet, get more organic into your diet, buy organic food, and uh, and get the superfood blends that that we have to uh, help you restore some of the mineral densities that, that you require.
0: Cool. All right. So I think that's a good, a good time to wrap up.
1: All right. Somebody just popped up and says, good movie to watch, is The C Word. I just don't know which, which that is. We'll just put it out here. Anybody who's hearing it, you can search and see what happens, The C Word. All right. I'm all talked out for the day.
0: All right. Well, thanks for watching, everybody. This has been the Life Enthusiast Online Radio and TV Blab Network, restoring vitality to you and the planet. Martin, before we go, if somebody wants to know more about you know making these lifestyle changes how can they get a hold of you there is
1: the website with a lot of very useful articles life-enthusiast.com and if you want to talk to me find me at 1866-543-3388 we're there from 8am to 8pm pacific time
0: awesome thanks for joining us everybody we'll see you next time This is uh, the Life Enthusiast Blab, restoring vitality to you and the planet, coming to you from Belize and Canada. Bye-bye. Take care.